Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. It's great to have all these podcasts supporting one another. The PacePot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts, and one that might interest you would be a podcast that helps you to not procrastinate and get right to work. That's a podcast I could really listen to uh, while I'm walking my dog. Well, you can join Dr. Faustus as he explains how to control others to make them do your bidding. Clients from David Sorison to Hank Pym have been controlling their women using these techniques, and you can too. Check out Faustus Female Manipulation, and new podcasts appear monthly on the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. Nothing could be more terrible than that, James B. Why, why do you do this to us? Can we not Can we not have that in our podcast? Eddie, we have a two-year deal with the Pace Podcast <laughs> Network to support their podcast. I'm sure there are lots of people who would benefit from not procrastinating. That's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about our podcast, and we are going to be covering three books in our podcast. So I thought we should try to get a third person to help us. Great idea, James B. We are proud to welcome to the podcast Megan Butler to talk about Spider-Man. Uh, we are more excited than having an old book to have you join us. Tell us about yourself, Megan. Oh, wow. What a joy. I, I feel like an old book is such a joy to have, and I'm so honored to be as good as that. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm energetic at times. I'm a dog lover. I love those board games. I also really love Snickers, which are the superior candy bar to Milky Ways, in my opinion. And lately, I've been really getting back into 30 Rock. So pretty pretty sad that it's been off the air for about 10, 15 years. I'm so glad uh, we heard your feelings on Milky Ways and Snickers. Yeah, Megan, I'm also a board game fan. My room has board games on one shelf and Spider-Man comics on the other. But uh, I'm so sorry to hear that uh, you and I will never be able to see eye to eye on the Milky Way versus Snickers. As far as 30 Rock, I don't know the show at all. It's not something that Eddie and I ever talk about. Eddie doesn't watch TV as it is, and 30 Rock is not a show that I know. So sorry we can't discuss that with you. Well, let's let's do something we know a little more about. From August of 1977, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number nine, Like a Tiger in the Night by Manilo Ushima Esposito and Giacoya. Once again, we are in the 1970s, and once again, there is a protest. ESU is doing away with night school. It's a cheaper way of going to school. Today, this would be the equivalent of doing away with a community college or maybe part-time enrollment. Uh, the Black and Hispanic students feel targeted, and the only solution is for ESU to sell off its prized scientific manuscript. It's not an easy decision, and even Peter is torn about what the school should do. Delightful summary for the opening, James B. Um, this is some heavy stuff in Spider-Man. When President Dwyers says, blast it, this is a college, not a charity, and then followed not too much later by, there are ways of dealing with radicals. Uh, he sounds like the villain of this book, incredibly sinister. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy thing to drop in a comic book. I was pretty, um, like, for the second, third page, it was heavy stuff. Heavy stuff for sure. Well, we've had Spider-Man deal with things similar to this before, but wow, Megan, what, what a book to have you uh, open your uh, Let's Read Spider-Man debut here. Um, I'm ready to find out if we've got a new supervillain on our hands running ESU. Go on, James B. All right, well, wrapping up the first book, we should talk about our hero first. We've got in attendance Hector Ayala. He holds the power to change into the white tiger 
using the necklace, which Eddie, we read about in Marvel Team Up 40, the Sons of the Tiger, who have uh. broke up uh, the band basically over a girl. But this white tiger, Hector, steals the prized manuscript before some other goons can, and then later briefly fights them. <laughs> Well, Spider-Man finds out the White Tiger's origin from a black Harlem detective named Blackbird, the White Tiger jumps through an open window and seemingly targets Latin studies professor Vasquez. Spider-Man arrives just in time to stop the reader from knowing exactly what's going on. Hmm. Eddie, did you sense the racial undertones in this issue? My goodness. This president is so vehement. I mean, it's hearkening back to... You know, the protests from a decade before this book was written, but he says uh, by a Puerto Rican hoodlum, you mean in league with the young thugs who defy my authority. It's really firm and authoritarian style talk coming from the president of ESU. Super heavy. Uh, I want to see what happens, though, uh, in the next book. From September of 1977, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 10, Tiger in a Web, by Mantelo, Fushima, and Esposito. All right, we continue with three well-meaning good guys clearly having a misunderstanding. It's like an episode of Three's Company here, if you understand the 1970s. <laughs> but I don't know if seven-year-old James B. would have known these are all good guys, but I think I might have. This is because Spider-Man is just too hard-headed to take a moment to listen to Professor. Spidey instead battles the White Tiger, who, to be fair, also refuses to explain himself. Elsewhere, our Blackbird character uses his detective skills to find the real enemy, the Black Hand. No, from my knowledge of Spider-Man, which is a, a lot more than I realized, I always thought that he was very chill about things, but and cautious and ready to like investigate, but now not so much in this this part. He seemed really hot-headed. I, I do think that's kind of a more contemporary take on Spider-Man from, you know, what we've read in the last, you know, 15 years of books or nearly 15 years. He is way hot-headed. Spider-Man will fight anyone at any time, doesn't matter, hero, villain, or otherwise. So... <laughs> Uh, you, you just be ready for more fighting let me, in all regards. Yeah, let me jump in here, too. I think one of the problems when you have these hero v. hero books, which there's a lot of in Marvel Team-Up and a lot of apparently now in Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man runs, is how do you get two guys to, to fight each other that are both good guys? There has to be some misunderstanding. Anybody who's watching Netflix Cobra Kai understands that constantly... Daniel is there with Johnny and things are about to work out fine. Then one person says one thing that's misconstrued. And all of a sudden we got another two hours of good guys fighting each other. So here Spider-Man's like, wait, you you're you're standing over that guy. It looks like you're going to punch him. And Spider-Man hits him. And the guy's like, oh, you're going to hit me because you think because you're here. to." And all of a sudden it just keeps going and going and going. So I think Spider-Man has to be hot headed just to make this battle seem more plausible. Well, Thankfully, though, we have the bowler hat wearing Blackbird, who's a detective investigating who's really after the book in this. Uh, and uh, at least I'm so happy at least someone's fighting a bad guy. Uh, yeah. James B., tell us the ending here. Sure, sure. Well, the aforementioned Blackbird, he well, he falls first through a glass skylight and he gets into a gunfight with these guys. Meanwhile, Professor Vasquez, he, he admits to everyone at ESU that... 
he dressed up as the White Tiger and he actually stole the book before the White Tiger or these goons even showed up. And then, of course, Spider-Man and the White Tiger realize basically at the very end of the book that they're not enemies. And Blackbird comes walking in. He basically single-handedly arrested the real criminals a la Sergeant York. And the school decides they will find a way to keep the doors open and keep the manuscript. How convenient for everybody. Hey, Megan, do you think if this plot line were to take place in 2022 at any school, it would work out just fine like it did here? Oh, uh, well, that's what they would tell the parents. Everything worked out <laughs> fine. But no, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of what we have to do nowadays is everything has to be just fine. And then we do figure it out a way and everyone has to be happy at the end. So I think it would take a lot longer, but and it wouldn't all be just fine. But I think it would um, be proposed that way. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad it's a it's kind of a an optimistic look on on our series of troubles in this book uh, yeah, don't, a, yeah he, i know eddie i'm picturing like news channel eight just standing outside <laughs> for the seventh day in a row it's it, <laughs> really fine president doyer because you were talking about you know i will stop them with anything and now you're like eh, it's okay we everything just, works you know. out fine but what end. what changed his book back what changed his mind did I miss a page where he suddenly realizes, oh, wait, I care about the students in my school? I I guess it was the extremes that the professor in White Tiger went to oh. steal the book. And he was like, well, if they're willing to be, you know, arrested or whatever, then this must be more important than I thought. But <laughs> after using the language he used, which was condescending, you know, down like racist <laughs> well eddie he has this big realization uh what did you think about how long it took spider-man to uh, have a realization that oh him and the God. white tiger were not enemies two entire books of spider-man fighting the white tiger only to have them be like oh spidey's like oh the white tiger is a good guy um it's so tiresome but it, it does give us a chance to do a segment we like to call wait are you the bad guy or am i Let's read some of the panels, everybody, where the obligatory hero battle takes place. We've got plenty of them to give the listeners a better idea of these confusing fight sequences. All right. So on page 16, it uh -huh. says, I'm taking you in for theft, assault, and inciting to riot. Now either come peacefully or... And then they continue to fight. Uh, on page 22, the uh, white tiger says... Uh, you know, you sense it as well, senor. Our battle will end here. And Spider-Man says, suits me, Whitey. I couldn't think of a nicer slum for wasting garbage like you. All right. Way back on page three in uh, Spectacular 10 here, um, uh, White Tiger's amigo, if, if your goal this night was to arouse anger in me, you have succeeded. And Spider-Man says, well, that's not quite I had, what I had. Ugh. And then he's like, blast it. He's like a blur. There's only been five punches thrown. If Spider-Man had kind of finished that sentence, he seemed to be coming to reason. But instead, we get another, uh, what, like seven more pages of fighting until they're like, hey, we're kind of on the same team, aren't we? Thank you for participating, everyone. And wait, are you the bad guy or am I? 
Blackbird is the real hero in these books. And we barely see him. It, it looks super dire when he crashes through the skylight and his gun jams. And he, I guess, just with his bare hands, apprehends, what are we, what are we talking, like five bad green-clad dudes? Yeah, the only people Impressive that Impressive t- Blackbird. <laughs> yeah, Sergeant York, Captain America, two famous people who took like an entire platoon out basically by themselves. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Sergeant York. Anyone? Sergeant York. I'm missing all your references tonight, James. I'm keeping them I'm keeping them relevant to the time period. You are. Not to anyone who was alive at the time. Oh boy. <laughs> I never get any support in these emails either. I only get emails from like eleven year olds and like thirteen year olds. There's nobody like in their fifties emailing me that they understand my references. I feel so. like you need to put some context around that. We got we got a whole All other right. book to do, Eddie. Right. Let's do the let's let's get to the third book. We brought Megan on not to make fun of me, but to Ooh. do three books. So let's do I, a third one. All right, I get to pass on the summary here, James B. From October of 1977, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 11, A Life Too Far, by Claremont, Mooney, and Esposito. Yeah, we got a Claremont book. Yeah. Uh, Peter and Mary Jane Watson were walking along when this kid pushes him to safety. <laughs> the kid jumps into a runaway truck. Like, he, like, jumps into like, the driver's seat. And he swerves it away from the crowds, and it crashes, spilling chemicals all over the hero kid. What a rough day this guy's having. Peter hears that an antidote to help this kid might not arrive in time, so he changes into Spider-Man. This is uh, quite a crazy story, just to get Peter indebted to a kid. They also have to need a serum? It's it's wild. Like you said, he jumps into a speeding truck. I it not humanly possible. I I can only imagine this kid's coming back as some hero or villain at some point. Um, but James B. This last page of this book, Peter's standing in an operating room. I didn't look at it very closely. I was like, it's got to be Aunt May. But but it's the kid, and we really have no context for why he's in the operating room with this kid. Very confusing here. So I'm glad they explain it kind of. And then they kind of explain it again, right? Yeah. They introduced you a new character. Right. Well, our good friend Medusa, who's already battled Spider-Man over confusion before, hope she's going to have a better opportunity to mix it up with the wall crawler in a positive manner. Sure, it's going to happen. But she wants the serum for some other reason we're not going to talk about. So now we have two heroes who both want a serum for, I'm sure, altruistic reasons. So Spider-Man and her <laughs> battle all over the city, including a 14-panel, three-page fight just on a roller coaster. Megan, how'd you like the roller coaster battle? Oof. It was, it was hard to understand the quippy jokes they were making at each other. While also, like, destroying public property and ruining family days at the, at the, there, the, at the place they were at. I don't know, but it just seemed like the dialogue could have been more valuable in that fight scene. Yeah, it's hard with the jokes. And then there's lines like Spider-Man says at one point, as he's diving away from some people, he's like, I thought her capable of a lot of things, but murder? Can't worry about that anymore. I got to move. And the kid says, 
Spidey saving himself, leaving the rest of us to die. Like, I just intermix that with a couple of jokes here and there. So, oh, well. Um, let me kind of wrap up this story, basically. Look, eventually Medusa reaches, if you don't know uh, Megan, she's with a group of people called the Inhumans. So she reaches them and Spider-Man shows up and they all fight. Uh, there's this guy, Gorgon, he stomps his foot and he basically destroys an entire pier. But in the end, the Inhumans use like a tiny bit of the serum and then Spider-Man's like, oh, I need to get this to the kid. And you know, one of the Inhumans, Black Bolt, helps get the rest to the kid. So apparently the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And well, it's debated a little bit at the end of the book, let's what? say. <laughs> at the end of the book, look, all right, and then the book ends. Did you see what I'm talking about here? They, they have a oh, whole yeah. argument about this. Yeah, <laughs> I, that was going to be one. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere, though, right? Yeah. Right, Megan? It's real deep, real fast. Hey, why don't we just look at these last three panels? in the book and we can talk about this whole needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one specifically. Eddie, tell us what happens on the, the third to last panel there. All right. We got Medusa. She says, um, we recovered some kind of antimatter warhead, which I was like, dang, suddenly super danger here. And she says, we had no alternative but to take the serum to the guy who was going to disable the warhead. And Spidey's like, you could have told me lady asked my help. I, Okay. Is that, is that fair? Could he, sh should she have told them what's going on? Like, hey, we're Anyone, trying to save the world? Can we have a conversation just to, instead of like a nine-page panel? Megan, uh, Gorgon in the second to last panel, uh, what's his argument about why we didn't have time to talk about it? What does he say? Well, they had no time for trifles, obviously. We were trying to save the world from destruction. What does one boy's life count against that? How does Spider-Man respond? And then he says, if you don't know the answer, Gorgon, I'm not sure I can tell you. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying like Spider-Man's right or wrong. I'm just saying all of a sudden this book went from roller coaster battles mm. with a, a very forced storyline of Spider-Man needs a serum. These guys need the same serum. And then at the end, of course... Spider-Man's walking away, like the no-look walkout, and he says, but I'll leave you with a parting thought, people. You've been dubbed the Inhumans for a long time. Don't let it push you into fitting the part, you know, implying that they're not, like, they're not even human the way they are. So, yeah, where, where'd this come from at the end? Hey, guys, let's write a book. Okay, what do you want to have happen? Let's have at the end that Spider-Man has to save a kid and the Inhumans are trying to save the world, and there's a debate. We'll have them fight over it. Uh, what's going to be the cause? Oh, Spider-Man has to get a serum for a kid. Why? Uh, how do we get a kid need a serum? Uh, let's have the kid save Peter Parker. <laughs> How's he going to do that? He'll jump into a moving vehicle, crash it, and spill chemicals on himself. But first, he has to push Mary Jane and Peter out of the way. <laughs> perfect. That, Claremont, perfect. get on it. <laughs> yeah. How else would you have done it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Megan, this is what's called a one-shot book. It means you can uh, stick it in anywhere. This well, book could have taken right. This could have taken place before the White Tiger storyline. Doesn't make a difference, right? I would have no idea. Yeah, it, yeah. it was probably written a year apart from the other book, and they just jammed it in here and said, "Boom." I assure you, the next four books have nothing to do with this because they're like a whole other storyline. <laughs> so, I mean, I want answers. I want to know what Spider-Man thinks. You know, does does he have that weight on him now i'm sure well he would but it 
literally the book on a one shot, it resets the world back to zero. Meaning it's almost like, unless they choose to reference this, Spider-Man is fine. The world is fine. The kid is fine. Everything's reset. There's not like a lingering story behind it. Yeah, it turns out we had enough serum for everybody. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> what, everything what works is. out in these issues. Hey, it turns out we could open you know, the school and keep the paper. Yeah, are I, things I, always so nicely wrapped up in bows in Spider-Man? Never. Like, this is, oh, wow. Very observant. It, that That is... There's always some pending disaster at the end. I mean, I think that's why he brings up this like inhuman line because they're like, wait a minute, we can't have everybody be happy at the end. Spider-Man's got to say something bad or whatever. So, no, very rarely does that occur. I, I hate to be the bringer of bad news again, but this was another Hero Fights a Hero book. <laughs> I'm so tired of that, except my favorite part of writing in this book was that Spider-Man thought this villain who was manipulating using all sorts of appendages was Doc Ock until he like tackles Medusa in the legs. And I was like, oh, well, you know, that, that would have been really great, except Medusa's on the cover. <laughs> so we did know that she was going to be that person instead of Doc Ock anyways, right? Do you, uh, you want the villains to be hidden from you? Yeah. You know, like in the last book, at least the Molten Man was like blacked out on the cover. Right. Like, mm, right. Well. But you were, you were complaining, though, that Rocket Racer's on the cover and he's barely important to the story True. because it really is Molten Man's story. So, you know, do you want to have Medusa not be on the cover or? You know? Well, it, it just would have made that little my favorite part of writing in this book a little better because I wouldn't have been like, well, maybe it is Doc Ock. Maybe he's back from, I don't know, wherever he is. Right. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't remember where he is. He's in jail. Something like that. Yeah. Well, we had... Um, who was the biggest villain today in all the stories? It was those thugs, right? No, yeah. it was... I would say it was the president of the college. What? He what? saved... He, he solved all problems. <laughs> he came back. President like, Dwyer. Like, oh. I want a full uh, investigation. I want a follow-up. I want... <laughs> you think, want you think so? I bet... I, you think something underhanded happened. Like, he, like... He got like a message from like the Magia that's like, don't sell our favorite book. <laughs> oh, we're going to like, you know, close down your university, but, stop funding you. <laughs> before we wrap these books up, I just want to point out that I, I don't know if we covered this at the summary. I know it's kind of like you just did the summary, James. B. Did, did, <laughs> but did, you know, did we did we ever talk about the fact that the White Tiger doesn't actually steal the manuscript? Another guy dresses up as the white tiger steals the manuscript. And then when the white tiger shows up, they think he stole it. And then the goons come in to steal it and he fights the goons. But literally the professor had dressed up as the white tiger and stolen it. Like, sure. I'm glad, I'm glad you could clear that up. Cause it was very confusing. I'm like, wait, wait, who's the white tiger here? Oh, Cause I thought I was the only one who was confused. No, I was, that... I was very confused too. I'm like, why, why are we doing this? And then, it's confusing because Spider-Man immediately accuses him, you know, like the actual White Tiger. And the White Tiger's like, I didn't steal it. You fight. Because he didn't. <laughs> right? Why would we listen to the White Tiger instead of just fighting for a long time? <laughs> and the guy who stole it wasn't even a bad guy, though. He was a good guy, White Tiger oh, impersonator. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, oh, he was the villain and he stole it impersonating the White Tiger. He was a good guy who stole it impersonating the White Tiger. We're all good guys here, and hopefully we're not going to start fighting each other in some kind of confusing way. 
um, we're going to promote each other. And uh, at this point, Megan, do you have anything you want to promote? Oh, absolutely not. All right. Do you want to <laughs> tell us how listeners, how they could reach you if they wanted to reach out to you and tell you that you did a great job? Oh, well, please don't. But if you'd like to see my social media, it's just an Instagram with zero posts and I follow a lot of dogs. So hey, promote your dogs. Could Megan. you share that Instagram? <laughs> no. All right. So we're not going to even share it with you. Does your dog have an Instagram? We, we put them up here. No, she wants one, but not till she's 13. All right. So since if you want to complain to us that why do we have Megan, who you really want to hear from and see and you, but you can't, how could you reach out to us, Eddie, to tell us that we need to find Megan? You can email us anytime at let's read Spider-Man at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at let's read Spidey. I'm James B joined by Eddie and Megan. And remember, listeners, Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, is a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, you may also enjoy Tough Decisions, a podcast where you can call in with tough decisions and our experts will help you choose. All right. That would be very helpful for lots of people. That's right. ESU President Dwyer helps you make decisions. Should you quit or stay with your job? We will find a way to do both. Break up with a significant other or get married. You should find a way to do both. It's great advice from a great leader. Each Friday, you can hear Tough Decisions with President Dwyer. And remember, Tough Decisions is a proud member of the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a great podcast. I could have, I could still use that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, taking advice from a spineless jerk. (laughs) No, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. A lot of hype on the Let's Read Spider-Man show and a lot of show notes and a lot of reading, but all of a sudden, Megan, just like Christmas when you tear through all your presents, it's over. I really enjoyed it. I like just having conversations. I also like learning new things. And I learned that these have different types of comics. Like, I thought that they were all connected. Nope. Wrong. That's news. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think it's cool. I like Wait, it. I'm sorry. I'm still giggling <laughs> a little bit because when I said your dog could have an Instagram, Megan, you were like, not until they're 13. And I just thought... Oh my God, that dog's like only got a couple years left. Yeah, she's <laughs> eleven, so <laughs> you're just gonna. It's like, yeah, uh, you could have an Instagram when you're like seventy-five. Yeah, no, literally. That's. That, I'm glad that you got that. I'm glad you picked up on that one. Poor dog. <laughs> she's great. She loves. She put her sweater on. We got her sweater from the children's section of Goodwill. She looks like she's 75. All right. That simple life.